All right, well, we are in the middle of a series, The Questions of a Disciple. The disciples ask questions, good and bad ones. I've asked dumb questions before. That's all right. I'm still asking questions. I'll learn. The, Jesus gave them responses, and Jesus asked questions. You can learn a lot about relationship watching people interact, can't you? You can learn a lot about it. So we're going to be in Luke 11, The Questions of a Disciple. Now, I preach line upon line, verse upon verse, and usually take four, five, six, ten verses and preach a a message, line upon line, verse upon verse. That's the best way. If you disagree in the rapture, you will know that I was right. (laughs) But today, we are going to focus in on one verse and use other verses to expound. We're going to look at just Luke 11.1 as our primary text and then use supporting scriptures So if it's really short, you'll like it anyways. Luke 11, 1. The model of prayer. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And then, of course, we go into the Lord's Prayer. It's found here in Luke and also in Matthew 6. Questions, they're asking, Jesus is giving. So let's look at this. First, we need to understand we're in the book of Luke. Luke was not written to the Jews. Luke was written primarily to the Gentiles. That, in fact, is the reason the Lord's Prayer in Matthew is a little bit different than in Luke. Right? Luke does not say for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because that's the way Jews would have talked. That's the way Jews ended it in their doxologies, in their churches. It was very formal. Like the priest would say something and they would say it back. So the reason why Matthew says that is because Matthew's written to the Jews proclaiming Jesus is Christ. Luke is written to the Gentiles. And Luke is just trying to teach people how to pray. You don't have to Model it word for word, although word for word is wonderful, but it's just an overall model about relationship with God and the person of God. Luke talks more about the prayer life of Jesus than any of the other Gospels because he's reading, he's writing to non-Jews. They didn't grow up in church. They didn't grow up learning all of the wonderful Old Testament, all of the the fundamental things about the relationship with Jehovah, they didn't know. So Luke models and shows all the prayer life of Jesus so they can learn how to pray because they don't know how. So Luke talks lots and lots about the life of, about Jesus's prayer life. And we're going to read that in just a minute, walk through several of those scriptures. So let's break this down here. Verse one. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. The prayer life of Jesus is the most marvelous, beautiful example of authentic relationship with the Father ever seen. Moses spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Praise God. Elijah saw the the backside of God and mountains quake and, and heavenly visions. Ezekiel, Daniel, but no one had a prayer life like Jesus Christ. It was so intimate. It was so beautiful. This is what we learned, number one, in your notes. Prayer is the only path to authentic relationship with God. 
It's the only path to an authentic, true, living relationship with God. Now, I said we're going to walk through Luke a little bit here. to watch. Now, look at this in your Bible. We're going to go Luke 3.21. Quickly turn in an app or walk through your Bible as we do this. Luke 3.21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he was what? Praying. While he was praying, they're just standing in a line going into the Jordan in a group because John's baptizing lots of people unto repentance. But when Jesus was praying, the authentication of who he was and his relationship with the Father came colliding in and everyone knew this is God because of his prayer life. While he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The authentic relationship we see is in prayer. Just turn a page over or to Luke five sixteen. So when he came to Nazareth, there he had... One more. I have big print now, Bible, and you have to go two pages instead of one. 516. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Luke 612. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to, to pray and continued all night in prayer. To God, And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. His leadership structure, the, the foundation of the early church and the church eternal, because he picked the leaders. He picked John, who would write five books. He picked Matthew, how and why, all night in prayer. The authentic relationship that we see is from prayer. Now look at this. Verse 16 also says in Luke 6, Judas, the, he names all the disciples. He picked them all, named, called them apostles, and he names them all. And then at the, it ends with, and Judas Iscariot, who also became what? The traitor. Now the Bible says he knew who would betray him from the beginning. Three years of submission and obedience to God because the prophecy, the scripture must be fulfilled that someone would betray him. It would be Judas. The word of God cannot return void. It must happen. Three years of Jesus' submission to the Father with some guy who would smile at his face and stab him in the back. You talk about Jesus who knew God who submitted and obeyed the Father perfectly, knowing he had a traitor right there. That's high-level stuff right there. That is high-level stuff. I will submit to you, without an authentic prayer life and relationship with God, there is no way to deal with hurt and pain and bitterness and betrayal and difficulty and keep your heart pure. When people hurt you and stabbed you in the back and said things about you and got other people to try to arrest Jesus and betrayed him with a kiss of intimacy, how in the world are we supposed to live in freedom? 
Jesus gave us the example, as he always does. An authentic prayer life, relationship with Jesus. This is what the disciples are coming to him for. Jesus is like, oh, you're going to need this because I know the betrayer already, and you're going to have to deal with it soon also. On the Mount of Transfiguration also, if you kept reading, this is just from Luke 1 to chapter 9. Jesus was praying when he was transfigured. He was in prayer when his physical body changed and all that. He was the true son of David as David prayed in Psalm 109. And that's a prophetic word, the true son of David. Psalms 109.4 In return for my love, they are my accusers. Sounds like Judas. But I, what? Give myself to the authentic relationship, not with God. That's not the way he starts the Lord's Prayer. That's, the Lord's Prayer doesn't start our God who is in heaven. How does it start off? Our Father. That's the deepest relationship you can have in Jesus' culture. Remember, it's not like our culture. When he says Father, everything that God has is his. When he says Father, that, they are like, whoa, Father. You may have a bad relationship with your father, grew up in a broken home. and the rela- When you think of Father, it's not intimate. It's not powerful. That's not the way Jesus meant it. That's not the way it existed in his culture. When he said, Father, oh, they said, whoa, Father. Our Father who is in heaven. All right, let's keep going here. We're still in Luke 1. When he ceased, then one of his disciples said to him. I love this picture. You've got to see him. Jesus was often in prayer, right? Alone. They would have to go look for him. He's in the mountains. He's, he's always trying to get away and refocus, stop all the voices of the world and say, I have one voice to hear and one voice to obey. So it says, when he ceased, then one of his disciples said. Can you imagine these guys sitting around? Man, we got things to go. Peter's like, look, I'm a business owner. We got to get this thing going. Come on, let's go. John's like, ah, we got to make sure we keep right relationship. The tax collector's like, we got to get things. There are all these personalities, all these things going on, but no one is going to interrupt Jesus. You know, they wanted to. I interrupt all the time. That's an issue I've got. I'm working on it. They don't want it. They're not going to interrupt Jesus. Why? They see something so real, so powerful, they dare not do it. Now, remember, they interrupted Jesus all the time. In fact, Peter rebuked Jesus, right? Jesus' prayer life is so powerful, even the interrupting Peter does not say something. How powerful is this picture we're sitting there watching, looking at today? Number two on your notes. Great influence is found in private prayer. Jesus' prayer life is profoundly affecting these men. It is profoundly affecting. They're just waiting and watching. They're watching the divine exchange going on, and they're just, I've never seen this. I've never seen anything like this. This this is unworldly. This is divine. They're just sitting there. When he had ceased, there was such power. There was such love. There was such unity. They were just 
absolutely influenced by his relationship with God. Christians, you want to influence the world? You have a dynamic relationship with God, and the world will stand back and go, oh. You see, there's two modes of influence in this world, right? The world's mode of influence and God's mode of influence. What's the world's mode? They have lots of them, but one I thought was lights, camera, action. That's a mode of influence. They're going to appeal to your senses and captivate you and influence you. It's not necessarily bad. I'm just using that as an example. God has a mode of influence, and it is between you and him, and that relationship will produce more influence than anything else you can do. That's what Jesus did. Do we follow his model? Yes. We must not get sucked into saying, okay, how must I influence people? How do I do it? What do I do? Just don't use the world systems. Those usually don't work with the Lord. Use God's system. Use Jesus' system. Great influence. Number two, I said that right on your notes. Great influence is found in private prayer. Now, in Jesus' day, just like ours, there was lots of people trying to influence. That's what everyone's jockeying for position. Jockeying for position. We don't do that. We don't do that. This is a race to the bottom. We don't jockey for position. Look at people. Jesus dealt with this all the time. Matthew 6. This is his statement right before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues because they they're trying to get influence. And in the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men, assuredly I say to you, all the influence they've got, there it is. They have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in what? Secret. Private influence. Who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will what? There is a divine influence he'll give you. Greater than what any man can do. Any uh, personality trait. Any leadership material. Any education. There's something greater that comes from the Lord. Andrew Murray said it like this. This is a quote on your notes. It is on prayer that the promises wait for their fulfillment, the kingdom for its coming, the glory of God for its full revelation. Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach, only how to pray. Everybody go, ooh, ooh. Not Not power with men, but power with God is the first thing. I was reading a book a few months ago, and Robert Morris, he's a pastor in Dallas of one of the largest churches in America, and he was telling a story about a businessman who was in his congregation. The businessman came, in, came to him and said, you know, um, my business changed when I changed something in my life. So he was a fairly successful contractor. He, in Dallas is a big a city. He was a successful contractor, did commercial contracts, but he was kind of middle of the road and as a highly competitive, you know, in Texas. You got to do things really well to, to make it happen there. So he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to let God lead this business. I can't go any farther. So every morning he really began to seek the Lord, this businessman. 
He'd get up, he would pray, and he said, the Lord began to speak to me business principles and would, would really push me to do things that even seem unorthodox. Like, this doesn't necessarily make sense. He said, okay, Lord, but I'm going to do it. I'll do what you tell me to do. Within three years, he had the number one contracting company in, the, in Dallas metro area. The moral of this story is, obey Jesus, he'll make you millionaire. That's a, that's a joke. That's not the moral of this story. Absolutely not ever, ever. Make sure you're still recording. Never. The moral of this story is obey God. Your Savior, your Lord, obey whatever he tells you to do in every way you possibly can. That is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen? Obey God. Whether you're a millionaire or you're living in Africa in a hut, obey God. Let's keep looking here. All right, Luke 11.1. 1. He was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray was looking at that and I was thinking about it and I was like, Lord, I need a point. I need a point three for this. What what is this? What is this? You know what the key word there is? Especially among this group of men? Us. These were men who squabbled a lot. They got into it, didn't they? We know it. We we have recorded of them getting into it. And plus you have brothers. Oh my goodness, James and John, they probably punch each other in the face. I mean, when they were younger, not with Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus goes, whoa, stop everything. A a desire, a request for holy unity? We have no recording of who asked. It was just the disciples. It was just one disciple saying, Jesus, I don't have to be number one. In fact, I don't have to prophesy. Let John prophesy. Let them be better. Make them an apostle. Give them a big church. Let them write the books. I don't care. Let all of us be closer to you. That's when Jesus goes, oh, you have finally stepped in and understand the relationship between me and the Father. Oh, now, beloved disciples, you're getting it. Now, now, not teach me to pray, not make me number one. Let me be the head apostle. They fought like that before and after. I got a bunch of kids. It is holy and divine when I walk into a room, and they're all four in the same room, and they're all in wonderful unity loving each other, right? Get your phone out. I've got to record this. This really happened. This is so wonderful. Because earlier in the day, it may not be like that. Later that day, it may not be like that. But in that holy, solemn moment. Oh, it's so beautiful, right? This is what we're seeing here. Lord, teach us. I just see him grabbing each other. Saying, Lord, teach us to pray. 
the Lord's Prayer comes from requests, number three on your notes, for holy unity. God always answers the requests for holy unity. It's so beautiful. Lord, John may pray better than me. That's fine. Just teach us to pray. This stinking tax collector, Matthew, that you saved, dirty scoundrel of a guy, he, in fact, may write the longest gospel. Gosh, he's a loser. Can't believe you. But, Lord, would you speak to him? Do we have a tax collector in the midst of these 12? Do we have a betrayer? Do we have one that denies Christ three times? Do we have brothers that are squabbling over who's greatest in the kingdom? we got issues with these disciples. But in this solemn moment, that all just fades away, and they have a beautiful God time. John 17. See the way Jesus ended his earthly life in prayer. John 17. Most probably, or for sure, this is the prayer in the garden and on the way to the garden. John 17, 20. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through your word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. Do you know what the glory of the body of Christ is? It's holy unity. Is that what he says? The glory of the body of Christ is a holy unity, like the holy unity that we get to reflect between the Father and the Son. Many years ago, I learned this in a very awkward way. God speaks to you in strange ways. So on a mission trip many years ago, headed to South Africa, and 30-hour travel day, you know, those are rough days, and we get there in the afternoon, and half of the team of about 60, half of them, they have no luggage. And, you know, you got to go through, try to figure out, well, we'll have it in two days or three days or whatever. We couldn't hold, wait there at the airport that long. We finally got back, got to the camp, and people are borrowing clothes or whatever. We'd only have time to change or shower, and they say, listen, we're going to do our first night session, and it's like a big unity night. And then, y'all, you guys can shower and get ready because tomorrow morning we hit the ground running on missions. It's just the way they, it was nonstop. That's the way it worked. So we get into the little church chapel right before. Um, we get in the little church chapel, a little bit bigger than this room. There's about 50, 60 of us. And the first night was always a unity prayer time, and they had a tradition. They did a foot washing ceremony. That was a tradition. It was, it was good. You get a bunch of teenagers washing each other's feet. <laughs> well, the problem was... We didn't have time to shower, and half the group didn't have, uh, what did I say? There was no luggage. So about 30 hours on a travel day, and a bunch of teenagers, and you got 15-year-old boys who's had the same socks on for five days. <laughs> I'll never forget. You know how scent is tied to memory? <laughs> 
I can close my eyes and, and smell that smell. <laughs> so they're all pulling their socks up. They're washing each other's feet. I mean, it's just wonderful. Things are going great. People are unity and everybody's loving each other. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking. I'm like, and I, this is what I think in my head. I don't say it out loud. I, I'm like, wow, man, it stinks in here. I said, I, not out loud. I said it in my head. And the moment it came into my head, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And he says, yes, Stephen, but it's beautiful to me. Oh, I get it now, Lord. I get it. I get it. Oh, it's beautiful to him. It stinks in the nostrils of the world. They don't understand. They can't see it, but it's gorgeous. It's beautiful to him. Amen? All right, let's keep going here. Last one. Lord, teach us to pray. And this is added in Luke that's not in Matthew. As John also taught his disciples. As John also taught his disciples. John the revivalist. John the bring people back to the true one true God through repentance through a strong preaching ministry, baptizing. John had many, of the had many disciples. The majority, and I'm getting this information from the uh, American Theological Dictionary, so it's pretty sound. The majority, up to six or seven of Jesus' Jesus's disciples were John's first. We know some of them were, right? Because that's recorded in the Bible. But most of the disciples of Jesus had come to repentance and had followed John at some point. Because, right, John's the forerunner. He came first. And then when John said, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, they went after Jesus and they, they, um, they didn't follow John anymore. There's two things here. One, John taught petitions and requests. This was not common in the Jewish culture. John taught petitions and requests in prayer. In the Jewish culture, it was adoration, praise, doxology, and liturgy. That was the common form of prayer. John taught petitions and requests. So what they're asking is they're saying, okay, will you teach us how to petition and talk to God the way John did and the way you do? They followed John. He took him as far as he could go. Then they fought. They, they connect with Jesus by divine order, and Jesus is going to bring them to the fulfillment of petitions and prayers. Number four on your notes. Our union with Christ is designed to unite others with him. It's designed to bring and unite others to him. It's what John's union did. It's what Jesus's union did. It made them thirsty for relationship with God that they didn't have or understand. Well, let's stand up. We're going to end with the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to do it both in a Gentile way and a Jewish way, to the best of my knowledge on this and ability. But we're going to pray, so it's good.
So the Lord's Prayer is going to be on the screen, and we're going to pray this all together in the way Luke wrote for his hearers, the way we heard it today. Then we'll end it and pray it in a very Jewish way. So before we pray, let's just spend one minute with the Lord. Just bow your heads. came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said Lord teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples so he said to them when you pray say let's pray the Lord's prayer our father in heaven Hallowed be your name. Your name come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's it. That's the way the Jews, I mean, the non-Jews would have prayed. The relationship with them and their Father through Jesus Christ. The Jews would have paused and someone would have read the last part and then they would have said, Amen. So I'm going to say the last part and then you're going to say, Amen. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's just all come to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the disciples and their mess-ups and hang-ups and beautiful pictures of unity, Lord. It, It relates to us. We can relate to them in our life. We see their questions are our questions. Their problems are our problems. And your solutions for them are the same solutions for us. And we pray like they did. 
our Father. Give us authentic relationship. Give us our, our, not me, but our, Lord. Give us that holy unity, Lord. In this, you're glorified. And in this, actually, the world knows that we are yours by this holy, holy unity. Father. And before we close today, if there's anyone in here, say, I don't know this Father. He's not my God. He's not my Lord. If you're here and you feel orphaned, you don't know the Heavenly Father because you've never been to the cross. You've never experienced the freedom of the cross through Jesus Christ. The one who paid for your sin. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as Lord, today. Before we close, there's anyone in here you have not given your life to Jesus and you can't say Father and you want to be able to say Father today, I want you to raise your hand. Anyone like that? Well, let's pray and close. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're our Father. We thank you that you bring holy unity. We thank you that we have an authentic relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you're doing in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, just like these disciples, as we spend time reflecting, asking, talking, requesting. We will not be silent with petitions and prayers, but we will say, Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us. I thank you that you've given us the seal of the Holy Spirit who reveals and teaches all truth. Thank you so much, Lord. We lack no good thing because of your prayer, because of this prayer, because of our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.